Welcome to the No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. Hey friends, you are listening to The Know with me, Nikki Spo, and today we are hearing from the Stephanie Shepard Suganami. That's right, Steph Shep is joining me on the show today and we are talking about a lot. So Steph and I go way back, all the way back to 2010 when we were both out in LA pursuing dance dreams of touring with artists. Today, Stephanie Shepard is an entrepreneur, environmental advocate, and tastemaker who educates her millions of fans on how to blend luxury lifestyle and conscious consumerism. Her style, beauty secrets, and work as a humanitarian have cultivated a global community. Formerly the chief operating officer of Kardashian West Brands, Steph has since established her own platform and partnered with American Express and Google, among other prominent lifestyle brands. Most recently, Steph has lent her expertise to Kourtney Kardashian's website, Poosh, and Elle magazine as a monthly contributor. She is also the host and executive producer of Facebook Watch series, Steph Shep Says. In 2019, Steph co-founded the climate education platform, Future Earth. She is also a board member for former Vice President Al Gore's The Climate Reality Project and a strategic advisor for Kana. Steph recently joined former Secretary of State John Kerry's new climate change initiative called World War Zero. And in this ninth episode of The Know, Steph and I cover a whole host of topics. This unique episode is lighthearted, inspiring, and moving. Topics range from Steph's early career as a dancer, how she moved into other careers, and how saying yes, being self-competitive, and staying humble and right-sized has pivoted her into numerous unforeseeable career and life paths. Steph and I also discuss the fact that most young people do not actually know what they want to do when they grow up. We talk about how hard work and a positive attitude can take you anywhere. We talk about following your intuition, the climate crises, racial and social injustice, and how they are directly impacted by the climate crises and so much more. Get ready for this inspiring conversation and a real look into the life of Steph Shep. Let's go. I want to start by talking a little bit about our background and how we met out in LA and we were both so new to LA, right? Like I had just moved to LA when I met you through Jamie and I think you were not that you weren't there for that much longer than I was. No, maybe 2 years at that point, probably. Oh, really? Okay, I thought it was even shorter than that. Maybe and so a year, maybe a year. So, did you did you move out to LA to become a professional dancer or you just moved out to LA just because you wanted to? That was the goal. The goal was like, you know, we, we come from the same type of dance background, competitive MBA, whatever. And then like, I was like, okay, like I'm going to go, I'm going to be a dancer in LA. And I wanted to tour, you know, like that was like, my goal was to book a tour. And like, I just, I really wanted to like be a pussycat doll. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. I know. And like, Jamie, you know, so I met our friend Jamie in Miami as a Miami Heat dancer, and she left the Heat dancers to go be a pussycat doll. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is what I want to do. I want to do that. Like, I want, I want the next thing in my dance career. I was never that good though. Like, there was no chance in hell that I was going to be at that level. I was never going to tour. It wasn't going to happen. Um, but it was very much a dream for me. And so, you you were out in LA and then, but you got connected with that whole pussycat doll crew, like with Robin Anton and everyone. And I, I kind of feel like that, like the power of manifestation has been like, whatever, it sounds so LA and whatever. I don't care what people think, but I do believe that. And I very much had that a part of like my inner conversations and the conversations I have with the powers that be whatever. And I was like, I, this is what I want to do. Like, 
that's the goal. And so this, you know, I want to say serendipitously, but also in this way of it manifesting that I did end up working for the founder and the creative director of the Pussycat Dolls. So I was like one connection away, you know, watching Jamie and Vanessa and all of our friends, you know, actually living it and doing it. So was there ever a point where you're like, okay, this is it. Like this, this, that dream is done. And I'm going to like, I'm going to stop pursuing that because for me, that's been like a really big struggle in my life. Like I never, I feel like I never know like when to just be like, okay, that's okay. That dream is done. Like I'm getting better at it as I get older, but in my youth, it was really difficult to be like, okay, yeah. Okay. That's, that's finished On to the next. Definitely looking back when I was probably all of 21, maybe back then. And it was devastating. I mean, it was like, what can I, what else do I have? Like, what do you do? How do you pivot? Like that was one of the first times that I even learned how to pivot, you know, and, 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 and kind of find a new dream. And, and it was really hard. I was really devastated. And I think, you know, I was angry and I was like a little angry at Mikey and like a jealous of Jane, you know, like all of those things that you kind of project onto other people because it's like what you're feeling. Um, but like I worked through it and I, I think that like it was such a great life lesson because I was like, I want to celebrate my friends. You know what I mean? Like it was hard to watch. Like my roommate was Lauren Bennett at the time and she was like the lead singer. And so it was really hard when I was like, behind the scenes watching these girls like live my dream and it was really difficult but I think it taught me a lot about like humility and like you know just celebrating other women in your life their successes without feeling like I have to be in competition I learned that very young through this experience when Robin got me the um interview with Kim that's when I was like it's time to let this go I'm 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 taking on something else I'm moving on to a different pocket of the entertainment industry where I still want to be. And at that time, I didn't know what the avenue exactly I was going to take. So to have an assistant job where I could work for someone who had so many different lanes of the entertainment business from beauty, fashion, TV, you know, she covered so many, you know, so many different lanes that I felt like what a great opportunity for me now, not knowing which lane I'm going to take to learn from her and to get to kind of see bits and pieces from, from different parts to see what might strike a spark for me now that I've kind of put this whole dancing career to bed. Backtrack a little bit. Like when you were working for Robin, you were her assistant, right? I was Mikey's assistant. You were Mikey's assistant. Yeah. I was Mikey's assistant. Mm -hmm. And what did that in, like, what exactly did that involve? Because you had to get quality, like in order to get this position with, with Kim, you had to have some kind of like experience doing this. So like, how did that experience set you up for, for your job? Your yeah. Work? I always say like the experience I had with Mikey was kind of like, like my undergrad and then going to Kim was like the big leagues, you know, like getting my master's in all of things, all things entertainment. And I was, I was literally 20 years old. I had no clue. I don't know. I didn't know. I was a dancer. I didn't know anything from anything. I came from a small town in Ohio. I literally was just like, you're going to figure it out. I did everything in the beginning. It was personal first. Um, so it was just like personal errands, groceries, maintaining the house, dry cleaning, um, car washes, gassing the car, getting him lunch. All of like those super like entry level assistant types of things I've done. And I had to figure it out. Like who, I don't know how, where to make a key copy or like, I don't know, just like 
silly things that you learn as like an adult, but I like wasn't an adult yet. And then as our relationship evolved and as he, you know, I gained his trust and we got to know each other more, I kind of, I started helping him on the creative side, which was his business being a creative director, um, doing creative direction for Erica Girardi, for Erica Jane and her music videos and dancers. I started helping, you know, we did, I helped put together the creative concepts for some of her music videos and I'd be on set with him. And then I started helping, you know, um, adjacent to her styling team and like really like giving my opinion there. We kind of, the world of creative, like professional assistant and personal kind of started to blend, like to, to blend and, and, um, and then Robin, as when they decided they wanted to start a new girl group, GRL, the second iteration of PCD, um, they brought me in to help the girls with styling. And I, I, can you believe I taught the auditions? Like, oh my God, I could never. I literally was like in my little bra top and my like fishnets. And I was teaching because we were trying to find other girls to like build out around Lauren. And I was literally <laughs> teaching the auditions, which feels like lifetimes ago. And that's why And I, when people ask me, you know, how do, how do you become assistant? How do you do this? Blah, blah, blah. I want to grow. Like you have to just get good at like the entry level stuff. And then the relationship, it, 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 the trust will grow. It'll evolve. Your interest can seep in and, and you have, but you have to lay the groundwork. I don't think anyone coming out and assuming that all of a sudden they're just going to get their dream job. It doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? Um, you definitely have to pay your dues. And I did. And I mean, it was such an incredible learning experience. It's tricky, right? Like I know you and I know you from like before Steph Shep today, right? And what the public sees as Steph Shep today. And so it's kind of, it's tricky for me because I'm like, so do people realize that she started from the bottom? Like, do people see that she did pay her dues and that she was getting people's groceries, right? Like, or like doing like the, the, like the unglamorous part of it like and so I often wonder like do people see that side of you and how how could they unless you talk about it you know what I mean or and and it's hard to talk about if somebody doesn't ask you those things oh well I started here at the bottom like you know people don't run around saying that all the time and so I think it's really important because our generation in general I think we do want the dream job right out right out of the gates and it's not that simple and when you talk about being resourceful like is that a skill in itself or is that something like you have to have the drive to be able to do that, right? To be resourceful because there's people who are not going to do that. A hundred percent. Like and the ego is involved. Oh, so much, so much. And that, I mean, that is so that that is such a kryptonite for so many people, you know, ego and leading with ego. And it's just like, it doesn't serve anything. If I thought I was better than getting laundry, why am I better than getting laundry? Like, why? Like, it's, I, I see nothing wrong with it. I do it now. I don't care. Like, I just think like this entitled attitude, that would have never served me. I would have never gotten to where I am. I think people and younger people especially do need to know that you do need to pay your dues. And there is, you know, there is sacrifice and there is, you know, a level of commitment outside of yourself to something else. Like it's not always going to be about you. And I am really, I'm really grateful for those years, actually not having social media to not be distracted by something else and to not be comparing myself to like, Oh, well, she's got a Range Rover and you know, I don't have one yet. Like I didn't have that 
so much. Now I know that the young people, they see those things and it makes them feel like they're like lagging behind or they're not enough or they're not there yet. And I didn't have that kind of stuff because we were just kind of all doing our own thing. And it wasn't that kind of comparing nature that there is now. So I'm grateful for that because I'm sure that's really difficult. It's difficult for me now where I am as an adult, you know? Well, also in like the whole part of like trying to be someone, right? Like from what I'm getting from you, it's not like you were trying to be this like mythical creature, Steph Shep, which I, by the way, I've always thought you were a mythical creature. Like you are my first girl crush ever. I have to put that out there. I'm serious. I was like, mythical creature, Steph Shep. No, seriously. Um, Just like your fashion and, and just your free spirit and like your willingness to push boundaries and be very much who you are. I think you like from the outside, for me, like, I think that you have always been very, very authentic. And I think people do get caught up now with like the concept of being somebody, right? Like, and when you were doing this work with Mikey and getting ready to step into your position with Kim, it doesn't seem like you were trying to be somebody. It seems like you were trying to do the, be the best girl for the job that you were in. 100%. There wasn't like an end game per se, or like an ulterior motive. I'm going to do this and like, am I, I'm going to build my platform or my brand. Those words were not even a part of our vocabulary back then. You know, our brand, our platform, like it just wasn't happening. So I just really wanted to be good at my job. I, I like to be the best. I'm a very like competitive, I have a competitive spirit. And if I'm going to do something, I want to do it well. Like I like, you know, going back to even being a kid, like I like to be the best dancer. I like to be the best gymnast. I like to be the best student. Like I, I don't know, maybe it's like the Virgo in me or something. I really, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it well and I want to be proud of it and I'm not going to half-ass it. Then how did this position with Mikey then set you up for what you did, your work with Kim? Yeah. And like when you were when you were interviewing with Kim, are you like, oh my gosh, I'm interviewing with Kim Kardashian? So Mikey taught me everything about the city, the business, how to conduct myself, um, you know, I think that's really important, like etiquette and manners and under understanding your place. And I think that really served me later on. I learned early on, like, you know, know your role, and, like know when it's appropriate to speak up or, or, or you know, and, and just kind of get your job done. Because again, it's about the, it's about Erica, it's about Robin, it's about the girls. Like my job is to make sure that the wheels are turning. And he definitely laid the foundation for me to just, he's very organized, he's very efficient, he's very detailed. Um, I learned a lot about running a business from him. I learned a lot about, you know, how to conduct myself as a young professional trying to come up in, in, in this business. And then, you know, adjacent of Robin and Erica, I learned about, you know, how to be a woman in this business and all of, all of the things that come with that, you know, and, and seeing Erica have such a strong voice and seeing Robin be, you know, this original female founder before we even talked about being female founders, she just really inspiring. And I, and I, and I can understand that now looking back, like how lucky I was to have these really strong women to look to and to to model myself off of. Erica taught me everything about fashion and makeup and all things glamorous that I was never exposed to as a kid growing up in Ohio. And so that was really cool. And and about, you know, she's a very strong woman and she taught me how to stick up for myself and she taught me 
not to take any bullshit. And she really was tough on me at times, but like working with her, I, I grew so much. I grew up so much. I learned so much. So I think all of those experiences laid the groundwork for me to be able to take on a position with Kim. Um, obviously I had so much more to learn. Um, but I definitely think that I, I had a really good foundation from just that short, I think it was like two and a half years maybe of working with, with that crew. Um, and then when I audi uh, auditioned, when I um, interviewed with Kim, I don't know, I was kind of like, she, I, I've always had this very comfortable, like relationship or comfortable chemistry with her. I, it was never, I was never like starstruck or like, oh my God, the only oh my God moment was like, oh my God, this will change my life because I'm going to be exposed to so much opportunity. Like this, I, I, this could really set me on my path. That's what I looked at it as. Like, like I can, there's so much to learn. And like, I was so excited to be a sponge and to just be exposed just so much. And it's probably refreshing for people in her position to not have someone who is starstruck, you know, who's just willing to get the, to do the work and be there and be of service and do quality work without having the like, oh my gosh, element. I didn't have that ego like, oh, I, I can't wait to be next to her. I don't know. I just, I never had that. And, and she's just, if you, if you ever meet her in person, she just has like a very like easy way about her that you're like, oh, you're my girlfriend. Like we can chat. So you go from like having this attitude of like not being starstruck by her and really being committed to the work and doing the job that you are really like assigned to do. But then you, you eventually like without having that be your intention, like necessarily you become her right-hand person in, in this journey. Like you go from being her assistant and maybe doing the errands and the personal stuff to being having a much larger role in her life and her business. So can, what about that? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing, you know, that happened with Mikey as you, as you build that chemistry and that trust, um, it kind of just evolves if you want it to, you know, I know there are some people that really are happy with, you know, their position. And I always wanted to grow and evolve. And, and I think that like I had something to offer and I think she saw that in me and, you know, it just naturally kind of evolved into like, we were like inseparable. And like, now we talk literally more than ever, if not, the same amount as when we were working together every day. And that feels, it's a really nice place to be at. Um, and again, to have our relationship evolve after a working relationship has been really cool. So how did you get to use your creativity in that position? We had fragrance, we had kids, we had Kimoji, we had the game, we had um, beauty. I mean, and then her Instagram, which is just content creating within itself, which I, you know, I got to photograph her all over the world, which was one of my favorite hobbies of all time. Like I, she's the best, per obviously the best person to photograph in the world, most, most photogenic. And so I kind of, you know, I got to create content with her and, and then when it came to the brand side, you know, we just, we just would vibe. Like we, we, we would send each other references and, you know, from the packaging to the, labels to the sense to the to the every intricate part of it I got to watch her develop her brands and I got to be a part of it and that was like the most fun and the most fulfilling part for me because like 
who doesn't want to do that? It's so cool, like to get to play with makeup and create something and have an idea for something and then watch it come to life and be like the biggest thing ever is, I mean, it's just such an incredible experience. It was one of those things, like, I think when people are like, what's your passion? What do you want to do? So many people ask young people, like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Such a hard question if you don't have that specific thing. Like, I never was like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I didn't have that. I like different, I liked a lot of things, but there wasn't one thing that I was like, oh my gosh, this is my thing. And so when we got to, you know, create Kamoji and that whole creative process, I really felt like a spark. I think a lot of people um, struggle with that that question, like you mentioned. Like, what do you want to do? It's it's so difficult. And people ask us, what, like you said, when we're so young. And personally, I like I've wanted, I've been like, I've been good at like many things, and I feel like I haven't been great or exceptional at any one thing because I've liked doing a bunch of things, and I've never necessarily had um, the time or the ability to really focus and hone in on one thing. And it sounds like you got to do that um, with the Kimoji project. And this, for example, like my, even just like this podcast stuff, it's like, it's one of these things that I'm like, you know what? I like this. I like talking about it. I like hearing the backstories behind people. I feel like there's part of my backstory that I haven't always had the ability to share. And I know that there's so much value in it. And it's scary. It's scary to be in a position where you like have this thing. You have no idea if you're going to make money or if it's going to be big or if it's going to like, it's scary. And I think it's really great to remind people that when you have that inkling to do something and it really lights you up that you have to go for it even if it means like doing it on your off time or your spare time or whatever it is, but you have to pay attention to that and really go for it because that is what's going to light up your life. Like if it lights up your soul in a little bit, like in a small capacity, like imagine what it can do for a person if you make either a profession or you bring that into your everyday life. And so that brings me to my next question is like, what are what do you think, what are your soul gifts? What is your like gift that like the universe and the powers that be have given you? What is Steph's soul gift. I think I'm on the journey to find out, but everyone always tells me like to be a teacher. Like, I don't want to be a teacher. And they're like, no, 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 no. Like not in that sense, but like a teacher in a way that like, not everyone has the ability to communicate things in a way where people want to listen or can understand. And I think that the background you know, that I have growing up where I grew up, knowing and having that experience. And now in contrast, doing what I do, living where I live, knowing what I know, having the access to what I have access to. I think that I can hopefully be a bridge between those worlds and between entertainment and hopefully like things that matter. Steph, I think it's so important, like what you're saying, like the the duality of everything. I feel like I've personally gotten so caught up in like like the different parts of myself like you're mentioning and like how to stay authentic in the space of two what's what seem to be opposing concept of like womanhood even, right? Like you can be beautiful and like nice things and like to do fun things and travel and stay in nice hotels or whatever it is that you like to do and also be a deeply caring person. It sounds to me like listening to you, I'm like, your sole gift is that you are deeply caring. Like you care so much about the real things in life. Like you have a compassion about you. That's what I'm I'm hearing. And I love asking these questions, like that question, because a lot of times people don't 
no, like right off the bat. And then you like what you just did, you just started talking about the things that you care about. And that is your gift. It's like right there, like in, in the jumble, like mix of all of it. Like it's, it's all right there and it's, it's beautiful. So you have this awesome creativity about you and you are a hard worker. You have a, a tremendous work ethic that you, and you got to experience all these amazing, I mean, professional and just life dreams like for yourself. How did you move from a space of like saying, okay, now this chapter is going to come to an end and I want something different. Like how did you even decide that you wanted something more or not necessarily more, but different for yourself? I kind of feel like the universe always nudges me, like whether I like listen or not. And I think you have to like take stock of like how you're feeling and how what you're doing is making you feel. And I... And I saw it in both like kind of pivots in my life where I went from dance to assisting and then from Mikey to on my own and then from Kim to on my own. I think I felt it looking back. Like I was like, Ooh, I'm not feeling fulfilled here. Like, I don't think I can get anything else from this. Like, I think, like, I think this is my ceiling. You don't want to get, get to the point where you're like not showing up or not doing well because you're like, I'm so out of this. I'm so, I, you know, I don't, I, I, my spirit isn't with this anymore. I, you know, I have one foot out the door. You don't want to get to that place because then you can really ruin some relationships. But I think I just had a knowing like, okay, I think it's time. Like, I think it's time. And had Kim not been like, it is time. Like you need to do your own thing and I'm going to support you your own thing. I, it would have been really hard for me to leave. And it took her almost believing in me to be like, you can do this. It's time to fly, fly out of the nest. Why am I getting emotional about that? Like, what? Like, that makes me emotional. Like, I'm not even in this situation, but I'm like, oh, to be believed in feels so good, right? And that's why it wasn't a scary thing because it was right. It was a really cool, crazy time. And I think you just have to trust your instincts. And, and that is the one thing that I have not done enough. There are so many situations I could have avoided had I just listened to my instincts and just trusted that I know what's right for me. What's so amazing about this is that like not being tied down by the fear of change, right? Because a lot of people think like, okay, I found the thing and now this is what I'm going to do for my life. And so this is it. This is it. And being comfortable and owning the fact that like you are allowed to change the trajectory of your life at any given moment yeah. when it sits right with you, yeah. like you're saying. So with that said though, like what is this next chapter for you? My next chapter is really like stepping into like, I, this is such a, like a cliche, but like stepping into my power. Like I don't want to be afraid to do something because of outside influences what ifs i'm done with it i'm done with it what if i what if i don't make it what if they don't see me like that what if it's not big what if no one buys it what if it's not cool what if, i'm done with it i have had a really challenging year it's crazy when you have like these like real depths of like sadness and sorrow and loneliness and it's weird that at the same time, it opens you up to this. I just don't want to waste time being afraid of stupid shit that doesn't matter in the end. When we share our stories, 
we get to create our own narrative. You're also, you know, part of what you're doing now, it's very clear that you are committed to your personal growth and, growth and development and standing in a truth that speaks to your core. Um, but I want to talk about also like social responsibility in two parts. Like you are very involved when it comes to sustainability and also racial justice. So well, I want to start with sustainability because it's going to carry us into the conversation of racial justice. And I think both of them are so important. And it's kind of crazy because I realized that I was following your account, Future Earth, and I did not realize that it was your account. Like I did not, I don't know how, like I, I must have like seen it on like the whatever page. And I was like, oh yeah, I like that. Just follow it, whatever, and not really realize it. But it's a great resource for someone like me who is like simply overwhelmed by how much information there is out there. Like for me, I'm like, there's so much information that I get intimidated to a point where I just stop. Right. Where I'm like, I'm not, I, this is too overwhelming. I don't know what to do. So I'm just not going to do anything. Um, can you tell us about what problem the platform is solving and what motivated you to start this community? Yeah. Well, initially the idea of future earth was really just me reaching out to my friend, Max Moynian and saying, like, I really want to create graphics to share information about climate change. I started my journey into learning about the climate crisis and in a, in a real focused way around 2016, I would say. And um, I wanted to share what I was learning with my friends, with my online friends, and I did really find that there was a platform that offered information in a digestible and aesthetically like pleasing way. You know, it was corporate or very granola or very just like could not relate to it, didn't understand it. And I was like, there's a real chunk missing because if I want this information, I'm sure my friends do. I'm sure my community does. I'm sure my peers do. So I kind of was like, do you want to just help me? She's an incredible mastermind with research and design. And I was like, would you want to help me like make some stuff? Like, I think I just want to share, you know, and my platform had grown at that point. And so it was really important to me to use it for something else and to amplify, you know, what was going on. And, and we kind of just started this little Instagram where we would share, um, you know, information about the climate crisis. And we really kind of took a nod from Vice President Gore's climate reality in that we believe, like, you know, we believe education is a catalyst for change. Well, what I, one of the things that I love about the platform is that you are actually citing the experts that you mentioned, you know what I mean? And like, that's important to me too, because there's so much misinformation on the internet that it's really hard. That's part of what feels really overwhelming. But on the platform, you posted something, and this is where we're going to get into racial justice. You, you posted climate justice is racial justice. And you cited Sherelle Brown. Mm -hmm. There is no recovery from the climate crisis without addressing systemic extraction, harm, and violence towards black communities. Mm. So this is huge. Mm. Can you break that concept down? I really was introduced to you know, climate, climate justice in Atlanta. And I was at a climate reality training and um, they really opened my eyes to this issue of the climate crisis that I had never been exposed to before. I think when you think about climate change, 
global warming, whatever bad PR term they want to give what's happening to our planet. Um, you think of polar bears, you think of the glaciers melting. That's what we, we think of forests on fire. That's what we think, think of nature, but it has, but there are so many other really important human aspects to this. And it kind of speaks to the problem in that a, for a long time, the climate crisis was being communicated by white men. We want to preserve nature without preservation of human life at the expense of human life at times. And we've seen a real shift in the way that, that the climate crisis is being communicated with you know, these grassroots activists and these people who, these communities on the front lines, these indigenous communities on the front lines, these black and brown communities on the front lines, these low income communities on the front lines, social media has really been able, I think, to amplify their voices and their experiences, you know, in a way where we haven't had access to see or the platforms to hear. And that's what we are really trying to focus on with Future Earth is, you know, opening this subject to the masses to so that you understand because it's not your it's not your it's not your grandfather's you know climate action it's not your parents climate action this is a different this is this is different there's so much more within the movement what i learned um, from reverend william barber who is an incredible activist who has dedicated his life to the injustices for black and brown communities when it comes was related to this climate crisis you know Vice President Gore always says it, the climate crisis affects low-income communities and black and brown communities first and worst. Because when you look at these natural disasters like in Houston and the flooding and these flood zones, they're not in your affluent communities. They're in your low-income communities and the, the majority of the population living there are black and brown people. That's not a coincidence. That's by design. So we have to really look at the systemic racism within our country. Well, I appreciate what you're doing. And I think it's so important for people, especially young people who are curious and they don't, they feel overwhelmed. Like I mentioned, I feel um, diving into a subject this vast. Um, so thank you. And the last thing I want to touch on, and I feel like I want to give you the space to address this and of course never... You don't have to talk about anything that you don't want to. Um, I'm not here to have you give any de details or feelings about your personal experiences, unless that is something that you want to do. But I feel like it would be a disservice to my personal platform and, and yours if we didn't, if I didn't give you the space to speak about the Asian hate situation. And I know that it hit close to home for me um, because my husband and my children are of Asian heritage. And I know that I it would hit close to home for me as I worried about the elders in our family. Um, what does your, how does your heritage play a role in your identity and your life mission? I, it's so, you're really asking all of the right questions. I feel like that are so in sync with like what uh, the, like the work that I'm doing in my life, because, you know, my heritage has been a, it's been a complicated thing for me my whole life, you know, growing up in Ohio, obviously looking Asian. My mom was very clearly white, red hair, white. Like we, I, I remember growing up, everyone's like, oh, you're adopted. And I'm like, no, I'm not adopted. Like, you know, those, that was a part of my identity, you know, 
really weird. And I'm, I'm unpacking a lot of it now um, because for so long, like, I didn't feel safe to acknowledge that side of me. I didn't feel safe to talk about it. I didn't feel, you know, like I wanted to even explore that part of me because for so long I'd been told that like, it wasn't, it wasn't something worth acknowledging. I, it was better for me to try and blend into, I, I, I always wanted to be blonde. I always wanted to have blue eyes. I wanted to, I didn't want to look different, you know, because it was a much different world when I was, when you and I were growing up than it is now. And, um, so, and then it was also, you know, in my personal, my personal life, I didn't have a relationship with my father. He's always lived in Japan and I don't know my family. They don't know, they don't know I exist. You know what I mean? Like I don't have, I, my life wasn't, you know, intertwined with Japanese culture in a way that a lot of Japanese Americans have experienced. So my experience is definitely different. Um, my entire Japanese family, like the, my entire side of my Japanese family still lives in Japan. They've always lived in Japan. So my experience has been different and even claim like that I, you know, what do I like? It's always been a thing. What do I check on the boxes? Like, am I white? Am I Asian? Well, I'm not Asian. It's been this, really weird thing for me my entire life that now I'm kind of just letting myself explore and that means exploring my relationship with my father and asking questions and of course like I don't know it's, it's really it's been really really it's been a weird thing for me in my life and my identity for sure. And hopefully maybe the next time we do another podcast, I'll have a little bit more clarity on how I feel. But right now I just, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of allowing myself to like own that part of me. I appreciate your vulnerability on the subject really. Cause I, I felt it in like my own different ways, you know, being Puerto Rican, I actually like turned my back on my Puerto Rican heritage yeah. as my tensions with my mom grew. Mm. I wanted nothing to do with being Puerto Rican. Of course. Yeah. Like, so I, my whole family lives in Puerto Rico and I don't like, I've started to reconnect with them now, but like, I look at my kids and I'm like, you're Puerto Rican and you're Filipino and you're yeah. Dutch and you're Irish and you're all these things. And like, I have felt for my whole life, um, you know, I, I look like a Caucasian woman. Yeah. So a lot of people don't, I don't have the effects. I have not ever, ever experienced any form of racism, right? That's privilege. That is privilege. My children, they do look ethnic. They look, they look, they're not like, they're not Caucasian children. They are Filipino, Puerto Rican, Dutch, Irish. And I think about that, like, how is that going to affect them? And like, what also, like, I think about tradition is like, what are we teaching them? Yeah. as a family. Yeah. Like what are they going to carry and how are they going to identify with their roots? Because my husband and I are so far removed from our heritage, like to an extent, you know? Yeah. So it's up to us and like how we teach them about their, their heritage, where they came from, where their grandparents came from and what the experiences were like. And it's up to us. And in, and it's like that in all families, it is up to the family yeah. to, to, be the source of education. Yeah. And that's a really tricky place because education, right, is all, it's like perspective in a lot of ways. But 
I do appreciate you opening up on that about that. And I want to close with um, some fun this or that question. Oh, so, I love these. Oh my god, I love. I only, I only have a few, so let's okay. let's let's do it. I'm not going to give you much warning. Okay, coffee or tea? Tea. Okay, beach vacation or mountain vacation? Beach. Okay, for wardrobe. All black or prints? All black. You already know. <laughs> but you've been doing the print game lately. I, I see you. I've been venturing out into, you know, just trying to expand my horizons in every aspect of my life. All right. Kale or spinach? Spinach. Me too. Mascara or bronzer? Bronzer. Okay. Okay. So for fridge storage, are we going with glass or paper storage? Glass. Yeah. Date night. Do you want to go out or stay in and do something romantic and stay in always? Yeah. Okay. So are you doing weight training or Pilates? Weight training. Flowers or plants? Plants. Sweet or savory? Savory. And anagram or astrology? Astrology. Okay. All right. I love that. This was amazing. Thank you so much. Seriously, like I know how busy you are. So thank you. Just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thanks for letting me, you know, allowing me to have this opportunity to speak like this. It was really nice. You're great. Thank you so much for listening to The Know. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The Know. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and The Know with Nikki Spo. My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your dreams. Dreams.